Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and resilience officer of Espalis Advisors. We have a great guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of managing business resiliency via geographic redundancy strategy. So let's jump right in and meet Michelle Turner, the Senior Manager of Business Resiliency, Business Continuity, and Risk Management at Amazon. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. You are more than welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and how you got into the world of business continuity? Uh, Let's see. 25 years ago, I was working as a background investigator for Household International in Illinois. One of the uh, contacts that had been in that role was leaving and going on maternity leave, and they needed someone just to fill in. Uh, Michelle, they said, all you have to do is put the yellow for teams in one area, put the pink for vendors in another. That's all you have to do. Being the nosy person that I am, I actually read the documents, and I had some recommendations (laughs) on opportunities for improvement. Turned out she didn't come back and they got so tired of me and my recommendations that I was offered the position and uh, have not looked back since in all of the roles that I've had from household and driving business re- or business recovery, we called it at that time, to um, a consulting firm and leading charge on the practice of business continuity through EMC as a network engineer and driving contacts between EMC and the Comdisco at that time to Microsoft and managing operational risk, enterprise crisis management, and now uh, where I am at Amazon, I have not looked back. There's been business continuity and a piece of a little bit of everything that I've done. Nice. Wow. So within your program for business resilience, business continuity, and risk management, do you also set the direction for vendors and suppliers? Well, I think in general, it's really important to take a look at vendors and take a look at what are those critical services that they assist us with and do they understand what our expectations are. So I drive recommendations on how to properly engage them, uh, how to ensure that they understand the criticality of their work with us, and then also how to reach out and maybe give them some consultative support on what a business continuity program or plan could look like for them as well. So we have a lot of terms in this industry, business continuity, crisis management, risk management, yes, we do. enterprise risk, business resiliency. Can you please help me <laughs> define what is business resilience? You know, business resiliency to me is really about making sure that you have the undercoating of strength that you need, maybe not to be able to fully withstand, but to flow with whatever business interruption comes with you. And so with that definition, that could bring in business continuity. It could bring in crisis management. It's really taking a look at what are the requirements for your organization to ensure that there's continued success in whatever way you define that success in meeting the challenges of a business interruption. So geographic redundancies and strategies and then managing business resiliency. One of the things that I thought about in preparation for this are some of the challenges and and debates that happen in our industry and that's come up. So what are some of the things that you've observed that you can share with us? Well, from a challenge and debate perspective, there will always be the debate between IT and the business. Being on both sides, uh, being in the technology area and knowing that there are some critical pieces that I needed to get up and running for my business counterpart, that was critical. 
on the business side, I'm saying, you know what, you can have all the systems and services you want, but if you cannot manage to what I deem is critical in terms of our customer expectation or internal operations, it's not going to mean a hill of beans. And so I think that one of the greatest debates is really just trying to pull the two together and saying, you know what, forget one being more important than the other. How do we need to work together to be successful in our organization? We all need to live here. So can't we all just get along with what we need to do in this space? That's one of the biggest debates that I see and one of the biggest opportunities that I see for us to really, in any organization that you're in, really take it to the next level. So one of the debates that I've recently observed and I'm interested in your thoughts is the, the need for the business impact analysis. What are your thoughts on that? You know what? I think business impact analyses have gotten a bad rap. Uh, I believe that uh, when you hear that term, you immediately think of red tape. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's really just about identifying, look, what are the critical functions within my organization? What are those dependencies? What do I have to put in place to ensure that I can bring these things back up and running? And so sometimes it can be as simple as a discussion and a conversation. I understand those dependencies and I go have a discussion and a conversation about those and just document what I need, when I need it, and where I need to recover, be it local recovery, be it an immediate site recovery, close in proximity yet far enough away, or be it in a ge another geographic uh, area. So yeah, I say we continue to do the BIAs just in the way that makes sense for that organization. Makes sense, okay. Company culture. How do you believe that company culture ties into resiliency and geographic redundancies? I think it ties in in that what the what is the risk appetite for that organization? Have they done some additional review on the interruptions that have occurred before? What were the impacts of those interruptions? And what did they need to put in place in place to move that to where they needed it to be moved? Not all organizations have gone through that really risk appetite review and understanding where their tolerance levels are and things of that nature. And I think from a cultural perspective, that could be that some people don't want to dig things up that may cause additional churn or, or whatever else. But the challenge with not even going there, you don't get to know what threats are there that could potentially drive additional vulnerabilities in your space. So you got to start digging in on that. You've got to start looking under those rocks. So I think when you have a culture of, number one, transparency, which means, you know, there's some stuff that we're not going to get right, but let's figure out what those things are. Let's be very honest and let's start digging under those rocks. When you find those things, then you are able to say, these are the risks that are within my environment. These are the steps and actions that I need to put in place to mitigate those risks. And this is how I can move my organization forward and make sure that we are stronger than we were before. And if a business interruption, when a business interruption hits us, we'll be able to flow a little bit more with it because we know these things and we've probably already put tactics in place to address it. So what happens if you're working in a culture where they're not transparent? They don't have that, that maturity yet. If you are in a business continuity role, you have to get very creative. You have to learn what the culture is and then be able to adjust to that culture to get to the end goal that you're looking to get to. Now, hopefully at the top of the house, you have some support to do X. I would imagine that you do perhaps or else you wouldn't be in that particular role, but you got to get really creative. For example, I was with a company where 
as I was going through and driving a governance structure for them, one of the terms that they did not want to hear was process. Whatever you say, don't say process. It was in a technology firm and there were engineers, and that's just a bad word because what they heard was, there's something that's about to stop me from doing this launch. And so from a cultural perspective, I had to say, you know what? Let's not say process. How would I go about doing this? How, what do we need to put in place to make sure that that launch goes off without a hitch? Hey, did you consider this regulation that actually will impact your ability to drive that forward? Another company, I risk assessment. That was a word that was a challenge for them. They heard assessment. They heard red tape. I called it risk review. It's a much kinder, gentler word, uh, but it still got us to where we needed to be, which is let's have a conversation about what stuff is in your way. So I think, especially for business continuity professionals, and we say this in the, in the compliance area as well, we are not the office of no. Don't be afraid of us. We are the office of let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what you're looking to get at. And maybe. <laughs> I like it. We are not the office of no. <laughs> so you have a lot of experience within technology environments. How has business continuity developed or changed from a technology perspective? Back in the day, we would call it solely disaster recovery, and all we needed to know was, can we get our AS400 up and running? Back then, there was a whole thing for those people that are in this zone. We talked about journaling, and then we realized that journaling was not a form of backup. And so we've learned so much on what technology is in and of itself and what we need to be able to do to recover. But we've also started to learn that, you know what, we've got to, as I mentioned earlier, connect with the business. By connecting with the business, we may have conversations that say, hey, business, you need to recover this particular service, but it relies on this application or this system that I have. Tell you what, what are the workarounds that you currently have in place? Because if this system, if I have the need to recover it from a technology perspective, I'll recover it in 12 hours, but you need it in six. Well, what are your workarounds that you can fill that six-hour gap? Or let's have a conversation and we can work together so I can tell you how I might be able to get closer to, to that time, but how I still might not be able to make it. So really, the, the evolution of technology is not just solely technology. It's about working with the business and making sure that we can share in this whole business continuity thing that we have. Is it safe to say that information security was not thought of from a corporate standpoint 20 years ago? You know what? I don't know if I would say that it wasn't thought of. I think we just sort of did some of it because it was just inherent. It's, it's just sort of what we thought through. But it wasn't thought of completely. There are things that we know today that we just didn't even think to put on the table back then. So I think we thought of it. It's just everything evolves. And the more you know, the more you grow. And so we've been growing. Okay. What advice do you have for women who are entering into the business continuity risk management profession? The advice that I have for women, women entering our field is probably the same advice that I would give them in any field, give us in any field that we enter. I remember when I first started in the technology industry, I would walk into a room and I, I actually had one person say, oh, great, can you take notes? Actually, I'm here to assist you in developing your strategy 
for how you would take this EMC system and be able to recover it at another from a, from a synchronous perspective versus asynchronous. So I can give you some comments, and if you could take some notes on that, let's do that to try to help build our organization. Can we do that? And so I, the advice that I would give is to stand in your truth about the fact that you have come to the table on this because you're supposed to be there. You are as deserving as anyone else to be at that table, and there are wonderful things that you have to offer. There will be times, and this has been documented in areas like Lean In and other books, where you will be at the table and you will be having a conversation and you'll give a recommendation. You hear crickets. Five minutes later, someone else, perhaps of the male persuasion, gives that same recommendation, and now that's the best thing since sliced bread. Now, know that this could be an opportunity for you to change that culture. Don't shrink in those times. Stand firm in that time and say, that is a great recommendation. And actually, when I mentioned it earlier, it had a little bit more of a twist that might be able to help us drive this. What are your thoughts? Because now you've got the conversation on the table and you can continue to discuss. I would say not to let any of the challenges that we hear about of the male-female um, equity concerns or things of that nature, do not let that take you away from where you know you are supposed to be. You're supposed to be at that table. You're supposed to be driving these conversations. Stand in your truth. Stand up for what you know to be right. And wow, you know what? Just change the world. Yeah. The underlying word that I hear that you didn't have to say is confidence. Let's say it. Confidence. <laughs> Have that confidence. You deserve to be there. Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, ladies, I hope you are listening. In what ways are you involved or engaged within the profession and why do you believe this is important? And the reason why I ask this question is because there's a portion of our workforce that is leaving. And I think that there's a gap when we think about the age difference and, and my thoughts are how do we keep people engaged? What are the things that you know have kept you up on the profession? It's kept you connected, things that may have pushed you to be a better leader and a professional within this space. And how can those folks that are coming into the industry, whether they're being pushed or voluntold or whether they actually want to, how do they connect the dots and figure out where they need to be to continue to grow? So one of the biggest things for me is mentorship. I make sure that I put myself out there to be a mentor for people who are just coming into the industry. There are times when you don't know which way you want to go. Do you want to stay, if we think about the umbrella, the way we used to position it, the umbrella of business continuity being business recovery is one of the spokes or disaster recovery is the other. Not really sure which spoke they want to really hold on to. And so I provide uh, feedback uh, from a mentoring perspective on what I've seen, what my blessings have been in both of those folks, and I provide assistance that way. Also coming to conferences such as Disaster Recovery Journal Conference and having the opportunity to speak and share because whenever I'm presenting, I get tons back from the audience as well. Uh, I've had a couple of sessions where, you know, we've said amen in a couple of areas. So <laughs> this is really a conversation and it's just family getting to know each other. It is though. <laughs> Fantastic. So what advice do you have for BCM hiring managers who are experiencing the shift in our diverse workforce who may be met with those that may have a different work ethic or they have different ethnicities or they have just a huge different perspective than what these hiring managers have been accustomed to, but they still got to fill these roles and hire 
professionals that can execute from a business continuity crisis risk management perspective. So what's advice that you have on that? You know, you mentioned a word that really um, sums a lot of it up for me, and that's execute. You're, you need to execute on those tasks. And so when you do that, think of program or project management. By putting those types of things into a job description, project and program management, there are a variety of ways that you can go with that. You give the potential candidate an opportunity to bring some of those insights to bear as well. It can be intimidating when you're talking, when you have a business continuity job description and you see all of this need to do replication and redundancy and all this other stuff that maybe they are not privy to, but you know what? They can run a program pretty darn well and you can start with that. Give them the other side of business continuity that will show them that you can go anywhere in this business. I've not been in this thing for 25 years just because. There's a new thing at every corner. If I want to go into the governance of business continuity, I can do that. If I want to take a look at risk related to business continuity or compliance concerns, I can do that. There is so much in those two words of business continuity that bring that to bear. Take a look at that. Put some of those things in your job description so that they see they're not just going to be stuck or pigeonholed. There's a lot out there. Share the joy of business continuity and just, you know, be able to bring that through your, your job description. Michelle, you've been a breath of fresh air today. How can our listeners find you and stay engaged? I am definitely available on Twitter under Michelle Turner, and I believe the Twitter information is going to be in the data that DRJ provides. Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, Michelle Turner on LinkedIn, and so you'll be able to see my smiling face. Please connect. Let me know where you heard about me. Please reach out, and if you have any questions from an industry perspective, I'll do my level best to answer them. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asfalas Advisors. Look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asfalasadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. 